is my great pleasure to introduce somebody who has no equal, somebody who has been not only the head of this household, this godly household, but somebody that I and most of us are privileged to call our friend, Steve Watson. So Father, we pray you'd open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to hear the message that you want to speak through Steve this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Bless you. Is anybody here for the first time today? Any first-timers pop your hand up? Nobody's here for the first time. Okay, so we don't have to give those away then, Jenny. But how are we going to administrate those ones? If Over this weekend, um, we've been given as a first fruit from Jim and Sue uh, their latest album. And over the weekend, as people have been coming and uh, bringing an offering, we've been making sure that every household has a free one of these CDs. So if you... Uh, have sewn into an offering, please come and take one of those. We really appreciate that. And then we've also got some little books that someone, it's a devotional that someone's written in Spilsby. Our contacts, uh, Richard and Sally Osmond, uh, who are the leaders in Spilsby, they've written that. If you haven't had one and you'd like one, they're also uh, complimentary. Please take them. Okay? Amen? You're a bit quiet this morning. Come on now. Let's, let's just... Don't, don't just settle passively. Come on now. We're not religious here. And, and I hope you've gathered now from what Dave said is that you're going to have to stay alert. Don't get into that religious mindset. We've been meeting at this time, on this day, for 20 years, and it ain't ever going to change. We are a dynamic ministry. Right? That, that's, that, listen... That's not a boast, that's just a fact. We're changing, we're transitioning, because God, although he doesn't change in his characteristics, he has a plan and a purpose. Well, come on, what's the matter with you all? Come on now, preach with me, come on. Because he has a plan, he has a purpose, and either we're going to say, God, I'm religious, I've done this all my life, I ain't going to change, well then... Just forget it. If you're saying, God, I'm on your time frame, I'm in your program, I know you've created me for purpose and destiny, so I'm going to stay alert, I'm going to be watchful, I'm going to make sure I'm checking when the church is meeting, and wherever possible, I'm going to be there because we're pushing forwards, because we're in the end of the end times. And listen, if we're not prepared as the body of Christ, people are going to be shipwrecked. The immature believer is going to be shipwrecked in these days. Do not be led by your emotions. Don't be led by your feelings. Don't be led by someone else. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Word of God. And trust your leaders. Trust the leaders here. We are not stupid. We have been around a long time. We are quite mature. We know a thing or two. And we are not going to lead you astray. We are not going to jump on people and chuck them out the door unless there's something very, very wrong with them. We love people. We're a family, and we want to bless and grow this family. 
We are a kingdom people and we're not trying to build a church. We're not trying to do that, but what we are trying to do is raise up strong sons and daughters, fathers and mothers of the house so that we can mother a lost generation and father a lost generation that's out there. And a lot of the things that are going wrong in the family is because we don't know how to parent the next generation. And the next generation are losing it and we've lost that cohesion in the family context. And God wants to build the family. He's building a home. Do you know he's building a home for us? When I was growing up in church, we had the impression that at the second coming, we were all going to live in heaven. And that was it. We got no idea what heaven was going to be like. Nobody ever told us actually heaven was coming back to the earth because God is going to renew the earth and the heavens and the new Jerusalem is coming down and going to be superimposed on a whole area down there. And it's big. So why am I saying that? Stay alert. Stay awake. Don't think, well, they met at this time last week is it going to be the same time again? No, listen, watch that website. We've just, we've just um, uh, had a new website built and it will be released very soon, Dave, won't it? So we're working on that because we want to be fit for purpose for this new season. Amen. Amen. We are investing. In fact, I said yesterday, we're going for broke which means we're laying our faith on the line, and if God doesn't come through, then we're in trouble. But we really believe, as the leadership here, is we must take more ground and more territory. We must set up everything that we need, the resources, so that we can send a message to the world that God is good, He's still alive, Yeshua is God, and He is coming back again, and we're going to begin to impact the nations of the world from this little town of Burton-on-Trent. And you are going to go. It isn't just Jenny and I that are going. We've gone on a few trips recently. But let me tell you, we're just the very sharp point of the arrow. And you're going to be not just the shaft, but you're going to be the rest of the point. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. So we're going on somewhere. Power, breath, and living water is what... We call this weekend for tabernacles. It is an exciting time. It is a time to rejoice and uh, make good. What about this outside the church? Read the Bible. It will scare the hell out of you. (laughs) I like that. Amen. God is good. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you will never make a better decision to say yes to him and give the running of your life over to Jesus to make him the Lord of your life. You'll never make a better decision. We don't want you to go away today without giving Jesus an opportunity to come and change your life. Church bulletin bloopers. Uh, We haven't done a church bulletin for a while, but here's a few. Miss Charlene Mason sang, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. (laughs) Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our community. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. Oh, dear. 
I love it. I love it. I could comment on that, by the way. Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7. Please use the back door. The eight graders will be presenting Shakespeare's Hamlet in the church basement Friday at 7. The congregation is invited to attend the tragedy. Ah, oh dear, here we go. Weight Watchers, we'll meet at 7pm at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. <laughs> this is the last one. I think this is good because we really, we really do need to improve the giving. So the Associate Minister, he unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Giving is going up. Amen. Listen, God has a sense of humor, seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. God has a sense of humor. So, we're celebrating tabernacles this weekend. Well, we are. I mean, we're on day whatever it is now. I've lost the plot, you know. And uh, so, Sukkot is the plural of a sukkah. Have you got that? This is a sukkah, and I think our guys, I just have to pay tribute to you. Frank and Howard, the team, you've done a sterling job. We have got some master craftsmen in the house, engineers, carpenters, goodness knows what. I tell you what, brains we really have and, and quality, so bless you all. It's also called the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Ingathering because basically it was the time when they brought the harvest in. Now, in some of the denominational churches, they will have celebrated harvest, won't they, around this sort of season. Uh, we don't sort of get involved with that, but that's what the uh, denominations often do. And this is what God had said, that it was a feast that he was orchestrating so that people could gather together and celebrate tabernacles. And so it starts with the Feast of Trumpets, which is the first part of it, which is really a wake-up call. And then we move through uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then into uh, tabernacles itself. Here's the scripture. Now, what I want you to do is um, you're going to be talking to people who think you're off your heads that you're celebrating tabernacles or Passover or Pentecost. You get that, don't you? People that think, why don't you just stick with the traditions of man? Why are you going back to the Bible and celebrating the proper things? Am I right? They think you're weird because you're doing what the Bible says and what God says. I don't, it doesn't compute, does it? There is a veil, seriously, there is a veil over people's eyes with all this stuff. Um, and they can't see it. Just like the Jew, many of the Jews don't see Yeshua, Jesus, being their Messiah. They think he's coming, but he's not yet come. Many of them have got this veil, but the veil will come off. And through prayer as well, we will be able to get the veil off the eyes of the UK church and others too that are steeped in religion, that are steeped in tradition, and can't see anything further than that. So uh, this is a scripture that you need to have. So if you've got something you can write on, or on your phone, if you've got a note app, 
Write these down so that you, when you're sharing with your friends, just show them Leviticus 23 and some of the other scriptures that we've given you before. Because it's really key. So God says on the 15th day, the seventh month, and this seventh month is which? Tishrei. When you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. We said that over the weekend, God is into feasting. Occasionally, he wants us to fast. So the Day of Atonement is a fast day. It's a time even preceding that with the days of awe. It is a time for introspection. How am I doing? Is there sin in my life? Do I need to deal with anything? So the day itself, they don't eat. They abstain from various things in order that they can deal with the sin in their lives. And then that's it. Once Day of Atonement's done... Then they're moving into a time of feasting and rejoicing and enjoying the Lord. Do you know God wants you to be happy? Well, if more than that, because hap has to do with chance, he wants you to be joyful. Happiness comes and goes, but joy stays. Amen. Amen. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Aren't you glad when she pitches up? And she's there, and we're, we're joyful. Amen. So, okay, let's read this next bit of the verse together. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now, here's another scripture, Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. It says, The Lord spake unto Moses about the feast of the Lord. Can you see it says, Even these are my feasts. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but there are people watching that might be listening to this for the first time. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles are God's feasts. They're not primarily Jewish feasts. Amen? Amen? And we heard Alison saying this morning, we're really excited that you've celebrated it for the first time and we want more people to get into the truth of the Bible. Because for, uh, well, at least half of my Christian life, I'd got no concept of the Feast of the Lord. I really thought Jesus was born at Christmas and I was told he died at Easter. I could never work out why if he died on the afternoon of Good Friday and then rose again on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, that that was ever three days and three nights, as the Bible said. I couldn't concoct that, but nobody could tell me what the answer was. Well, of course, he never died at Easter. That was a pagan festival that we were given from Rome in uh, the fourth century. So we've been following the traditions of man for what seems like forever. So that's why it's hard getting people to understand, hang on a minute, these feasts, they are mine. They're God's feasts. They're for every person on the planet, whether they are born again or not. That's the reality. So everybody is going to be expected to go to Jerusalem in the future after Armageddon. They're going to be 
uh, invited very strongly by God. If you've read Zechariah 14, read the end of the chapter, Zechariah 14, they're going to be strongly impressed to go to Jerusalem. Now, how's the whole world going to get there? All pressed into that one place. Well, I'm glad I'm not on logistics. God's going to do that. But you know what? The new Jerusalem's bigger than the old one. Now, whether we get the new one coming down after Armageddon, I don't know because that's not in my thinking this morning. I'm not even bringing that into my mindset. But God knows how he's going to do that. Amen? So, they're God's feast. They're not merely Israel's ones. And they are, ex- and God expects us to celebrate them and enjoy them. So, this is why we celebrate the feast because the Lord says they're holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Now, convocation, according to Strong's Expository Dictionary, he says the word convocations means something called out. In other words, a public meeting, also a rehearsal. Because we've been reminded that of the seven feasts, uh, Passover with three feasts in it, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits and then Pentecost, and then the three feasts at Tabernacles, which we've said is the Feast of Trumpets, yes, Day of Atonement, and then Tabernacles itself. Those three, the last three, have not yet been fulfilled. The first four feasts have been fulfilled. Jesus came at Passover. He was the Passover lamb. They could find no fault, no leaven in him. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where the leaven was taken out of the house, there was no leaven, no sin in Jesus. Three days after Passover, he rose from the dead on the 17th day of Nisan because he's the first fruits of all those that are going to be raised from the dead. Because Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected if we die before Jesus calls us to be with him. Amen? You know, when he comes in the clouds. Are you there? Okay, so we've got that. So this feast season tabernacles is when we are going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and so there is going to be a fulfillment of this, and it's going to be pretty incredible. God knows how to to uh, throw a feast. He knows how to throw a party. He really does. And um, it comes from a word meaning uh, 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 to summon, to call and commission, to appoint, to call and endow. So it is an important time when the church gathers together over tabernacles. If you love the Lord, you'll want to be here and to enjoy tabernacles because it's a time to rejoice and really begin to thank him for all that he's done in our lives and for all that he's going to be doing. It's an appointing time. It's a commissioning time. God has cycles in order that we keep growing into his fullness. Yes? Oh, hallelujah. I want to preach, but I need to just get to keep into this teaching. So at the beginning of the new year, because um, the Feast of Trumpets is Rosh Hashanah, the start of God's new year. Yes? Yes? And so the idea of it is that we get restored to the fullness of God's blessing as we come into this new year. So we're released from the oppression that Satan wants to bring on us. Amen? 
So God purposed to bring the church and to bring us and his people into the experience of revival every year. It's because these appointed times are like an escalator taking us upwards, amen, into God's presence. They're drawing us closer into him. So God wants to take us through four steps to revival every year. First of all, the Feast of Trumpets. It is a wake-up call. And what we did yesterday, we had our shofar blowers around the room and we blew, blew the shofar because we said the whole uh, thing about the shofars, it's, it's giving a blast that impacts our bodies as well as our souls and our spirits, yes? The, sh- the, the shofar blast is meant to call us to in- attention. It is a wake-up call to make sure that we are alert and moving in the direction that God wants for us, that we haven't left things undone in a past season, that there is an unconfessed sin that's there. God wants us alert, ready to commission us to move into the new season, the new year, yes? So if any of you, if the Lord's speaking to you about anything, don't leave today without dealing with those issues. If you're feeling there's unfinished business, you need to say, God, I'm not going to leave this place until I've dealt with that. We've got people that will agree with you, our ministry team. Make sure that that's done because God has an incredible time ahead of us in this new season for every single one of us. And so we need to be clean, free, ready to roll. Yes? Amen. Okay, so that's the Feast of Trumpets. The second thing is the days of awe. So Jeremiah says that if we seek for the Lord with all of our hearts, then we'll be found by him. We've got to be desperate. So from uh, the Feast of Trumpets, which is on the first day of Tishrei, yes, we got it. And then when is Day of Atonement? Day 10, that's good. So between 1 and 10, we've got these days of awe. So God's given us time. If you think about it, from the blowing of the shofar, he's bringing us to attention. We've then got this time period, these days, where we're reflecting what do we need to put right. Isn't God good? He gives us time. It gives us time to write a letter or send an email or go see somebody to make sure anything that's, that needs dealing with before the Day of Atonement, we've got time. We've got between the first day of Tishrei. Isn't God practical? It really is. He's not saying we're blowing the trumpet one day and the next day that's it. He's saying, guys, you've got time. These are days of all. They're times to be serious. They're times to get things put right. I'm giving you time. Get it right so that on the Day of Atonement, you're going to fast that day and you're going to make sure you press through before you go into that time of feasting. And then can't you go dilly at that point? You know, what stops us so often is we feel rubbish. We feel as though, you know, we're not worthy. There's all kinds of junk that, that, that we take on board over the year. And we can end up feeling, well, I'm so lethargic or I'm so unworthy. Why would I want to dance before the Lord? We had a fantastic time over this weekend. Everybody was dancing around because they realized that's what Tabernacles is. It's a time to get excited because our sin's been dealt with. All the shame, all the guilt, all the mess is all been dealt with. God's taken us through these processes. 
but we're still learning to get onto that time frame, aren't you? Because I know some of you are thinking, well, I didn't even realize it was the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of Tishrei. You know, I'm in September, and, you know, I'm not thinking on God's calendar. Listen, stick with the program, because we've been growing. I think Maria said yesterday, we've probably been going about 10 years from the when we've been teaching the Issachar School, and we've been growing and learning about all this stuff ourselves. Gradually, we're getting more into God's calendar so that we're getting more mindful of what he wants to take us through during the year. Amen? Because he's, he's got great plans for us. Because if you think about it, the names of the days of the week, the, the, the names of the months of the year, they're not biblical. They've been given to us by Rome, uh, and they've got Greek backgrounds and goodness knows what. They're not godly things, but God's calendar is going to give us life. Okay. Amen. So we've still got to stick with the Gregorian deal because everybody else is on it, but we're trying to get a new mindset, aren't we, as well? Because there is something that's better. Do you think, do you think God's going to stick with the Gregorian calendar when he's in charge? I, I doubt it. I don't. So what we're doing is we're getting ourselves, uh, you know, uh, what's the word, reprogrammed. Yeah. Yes? So we'll be able to say, oh, this is easy. I'll just phew, move straight into that one. I, I even know what the months are and how they all work together, you know. We're getting there, aren't we? Yeah. Come on, we need to encourage ourselves. Yeah. Amen. We're getting there. So I love it. And then we've got the Day of Atonement. Um, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is such a key verse because it's so important to know if you're feeling condemned, but it's a general condemnation. If you're feeling, I feel rubbish, I don't feel right before God, condemnation comes from the devil. The Holy Spirit never condemns us. If Holy Spirit is working on our lives and wants us to make a change, a shift in our lives, he will be specific. And he will say, Steve, that's the issue, deal with it. And then I can agree with Holy Spirit, I can repent. And 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess the sin, if you like, that we are aware of, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we'll be obedient to what he's showing us, there may be other things that we're missing that we're not even aware of, but John says he will cleanse us from all those things if we'll deal with that that he's pointing out. Isn't God good? So it's Satan that condemns us, and Paul says there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we can say, I'm listening to you. And we can quote scripture and begin to allow the word of God to come up from on the inside of us. And that's what it's all about. In, in the Ark of the Covenant, in that box there, there were the Ten Commandments. There was Aaron's rod that budded, 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 and there was a golden pot of manna in there. Ten Commandments. The law kills. But the Bible says, mercy triumphs over judgment. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is what? The mercy seat. And you can see the blood has been applied 
to the mercy seat. The cherubim are either, either side where the Shekinah glory of God was, but the mercy seat is sitting on top of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, because God's heart is that you will come by grace through faith into a place of relationship with him and not have the, the Torah, the law of God, condemn you. If we don't deal with our sin issue now, then the judgment will be that that will condemn us to a crisis eternity forever. But God's grace has been made available to us so that we can come out of that place of sin, out of a place where we are not related to God, we can come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, there is a spiritual transaction that takes place on the inside of us. Our spirit that was once dead to God becomes alive. Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. It's that breath, fire, living water, that power that comes on the inside of us. He is a very real person who is spiritual, that comes and lives within us to empower us. It's very exciting. If you've never said yes to Jesus, again, don't leave the building until you've received him as your personal saviour. It's so key. And for those of you that are watching on the web, if you've never opened your life to Jesus, do it. You will never, ever regret it. So it was a day to put their sins under the blood. Amen? Under the, if you remember, in the olden times, it was the blood of the animals that were shed that was placed on the mercy seat, but Jesus became the Passover lamb who died for the sin of the world, and he died once for all. So that old sacrificial system finished on that day when Jesus died on the cross, and he proclaimed with a loud voice, it is finished. The old system's done away with, all things have become new. And so then we move into tabernacles, which is really an exciting time where the people were encouraged to build these sukkahs because they lived in the wilderness. Um, I think we've got a picture here. If this, this is a bit slow this morning. It's even slower than what I am. When they came out of Egypt, the people of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness I said yesterday, men were leading them and they wandered for 40 years. If they'd have let a woman lead, she'd have asked for directions and they'd have been out the wilderness in no time whatsoever. It's an old joke. They obviously were in rebellion. They were in, thank God for women of faith. If they'd have sent out 12 spies that were women, they'd have been no trouble, would they? They'd have said, man, giants, what do you mean? We've had kids. We've had to deal with stroppy husbands. <laughs> Do you think these giants are going to give us any trouble? No way. Let us at them. It would have been a different story. But you see, girls, this is the thing. They left it to the blokes. You know what I'm saying? And we've not manned up, men. It's time to man up, men. It's time to lead our, our wives, our families. And if we're single, lead those people that are around us. Be men. When Israel left, okay, they lived in these sukkahs. God told Moses, build a tabernacle for me, and God's glory was shown in that place. There was no fear in those children of Israel. All they got to do was open the tent flap 
and if it was night time, there would be this column of fire, the Shekinah glory of God. If it was daytime, there'd be this cloud that was coming, that was straight up. Didn't matter if the wind was blowing, you can't blow God's glory aside. <laughs> Hallelujah. No tsunami, no whatever can shake the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Now, tabernacles is important for Christians. Did you know that? Because we've got that idea now, haven't we? Jesus wasn't born at Christmas. And of course, you know, Satan's taken over Christmas anyway, hasn't he? Santa is an anagram of Satan, isn't he? So we've got Santa Claus, and you know, the, the whole deal's been taken over. I love now the time of year, Hanukkah, because it isn't one of God's feasts, but I like Hanukkah. It's, and uh, if you want to know about Hanukkah, stick around in December, we'll be preaching on it. Hallelujah. Come back again. So, when was Jesus born? There's some interesting scriptures. Luke 1.5, Zacharias, father of John the Baptist, was a priest of the order of Abijah. Why is that important? It's important because of this scripture. Come on. Here we go. 1 Chronicles 24.10. This helps us. Priests of Abijah served in the temple during the 12th to the 18th of Sivan, and during those days, an angel appeared to him, to appear to Zacharias. So we can pinpoint because the priesthood served on particular days of the year. They had it all worked out. There was 24-hour praise and worship that went on, and the priesthood and all that stuff. And so we know exactly when Zacharias would have been serving in the temple. So the angel appeared to him and gave him a message. And he appeared to him at Sivan. Now, this is a little bit small, but trust me, that says Sivan there. This is Nisan. And we've gone round here. The seventh month is Tishrei. We're in Tishrei right now, okay? So, the angel appears at Sivan. And that's the scripture again. Now, if you... I need you just to, just to follow me on this one. If you can imagine, the husband is away from the wife. He has been working, serving the Lord. He's missed his wife. He's now come back into the home, and they've got friendly together, and they've made up for the time that they're missing. I don't need to say any more, do I? So it's quite possible in that time after the 18th that she conceives. Does that make sense? Nobody needs that explaining to you, because Howard and Dick will tell you afterwards <laughs> what I'm saying, if, you, if you're not sure. So, a pregnancy, apparently, it is, it is 40 weeks. I, I looked on the, the web, which is about 10 months, about 280 days. So, Elizabeth conceives, 280 days later, John the Baptist born in Nissan, about, about that time. We don't know exactly when it was, but at Passover, that's when John the Baptist was, was likely to be born. Now, what about Jesus? We know that Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Jesus was conceived. And when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, there was the whole baby leaping in the womb and all the rest of it, because when Jesus came into um, Elizabeth's presence and John the Baptist there, John the Baptist obviously got all excited. Isn't it amazing? It really is. Um, so then Elizabeth is six months uh, when... Jesus is conceived, and we really believe that's around the time of Kislev, which is here. 
uh, and at, at Hanukkah. So I'm not going to go into that anymore because time's going. But Hanukkah is a very special time. There is a special Hanukkah menorah, which is nine branch, rather than the normal menorah, which is a seven branch candlestick. And it was all to do with a miracle of light. And they refer to Hanukkah as being the festival of lights. And Jesus is the light of the world. So what a better time to be conceived, but at a time when the people were celebrating Hanukkah, the festival of lights, yes? So we like that. That's really good. So if Jesus was conceived at Kislev 25, 280 days later, he would have been born in Tishrei at Tabernacles. Amen? Amen. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Because, and this year, that was the evening of the 23rd and the 24th of September, last weekend. Okay, going back a few years, Jesus would have been born. Hallelujah. It's good. John describes the birth of Jesus this way. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, it was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, without him nothing was made that was made, in him was light, and the light was the light of men. And then, in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and tabernacled, or in some versions it says, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So he came. So tabernacles is a time when God dwells with his people. Yes? It's a really exciting time. It's a time to enjoy, to have fun celebrating with God. Leviticus 23 says, Rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Deuteronomy says, Be joyful at your feast. The Lord your God will bless you and your joy will be complete. It's a time to prepare an offering, which we've, we've done today. We've prepared an offering, and it's time to demonstrate our expression of thanksgiving to God. It's a time to really show him, Lord, we, we bless you, and we're bringing this uh, as an expression of that. In Deuteronomy, it says, No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Amen. It's also a time to anticipate because as we're pressing through to a new time, God wants to come, bring his glory, wants to tabernacle with, him, with us again, and he wants to bring his glory into our lives. We've really had a sense of that over this weekend. We've had some wonderful uh, times of worship together. It's said that, that in the uh, Solomon's temple, when that was produced, that when they brought the offerings and what have you, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It said the priests couldn't minister because of the tangible presence of God. So it's a time to experience his glory when the glory of the Lord fills the house. Amen. And you are the house of God. You are the tabernacle. Your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. So it is important to set a time to tabernacle with God, find times to meet with him. Uh, I've noticed many of you have broken bread in there. And Jean, you did a fantastic job finding that, that wine with Saviour on it. We haven't made that up. We haven't put a sticker over that bottle of wine. Jean found that when she was shopping. She said to the Lord, I want to find something that's significant. And that label had on it Saviour. So you've done well. Thank you, Jean, for pressing through with that one. So it's a time to gather with family and friends. It's a time to... Uh, share testimonies and enjoy your favorite food. If you've not done that, do that. Bless yourself. 
Yes, that's right, Jim. Bless yourself. Enjoy. Go out. If you like a pizza, go for a pizza. If you like a roast dinner, go for a roast dinner. If you like a curry, go for a curry. Whatever it is that you want, rejoice. Get happy. Enjoy times with family and friends. Invite them round because that is what it's all about. And if you can build a suka, boy, build a suka. It might be too late for this year, but listen, you're supercharged for next year, amen? No excuses for next year. Bring your pictures of your suka. Now, I want to move into something just for the last five minutes. The key element of tabernacles is outpouring. This was the high point of the cycle of appointed times every year. That is the pool of Siloam. So every year at tabernacles, the high priest performed. He didn't realize it, but he performed a prophetic act. If you've been with us for a while, you'll know that suddenly uh, Jenny will start flushing around the face, she'll start getting really super excited, and she'll say these words to us, I can feel a prophetic act coming on. (laughs) Is that right? Yes, she's done that to us again over the weekend. Well, they didn't realize it, but they would go down to the pool of Siloam and get some water. So the high priest brought the water from the pool, and then he took it to the temple. Now... Here's the pool of Siloam today. And there's some of the team. There's Jenny is there, and there's a few other guys just coming out of the pool. That's what it looks like today. Amen. So this is what they would do. They would take the water from the pool. They would take it up to the temple, and they would pour it out. So what was it? It was an appeal for the latter rain, because they needed that in the natural for all of the sowing and the harvesting and all that stuff, ready for the next season. It was an appeal to God for the outpouring of the Spirit, which is spiritual rain. And that is what we want, isn't it? Because it says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. And it was repeated every day throughout the feast. So you can imagine throughout those Seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles, this whole thing would go on. He would go down to the pool, he would get this water, he would walk up to the temple, he would pour it out at the temple. And so on the last day, the great day of the feast, the priest again brought water from the pool and carried it to the temple to pour it out beside the altar. But this year was very, very different. Because it says in John 7, on the last day of the feast, Jesus said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from his innermost being. If any man, if any woman, if any young person, if any child is thirsty, let him Come to me and drink. He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. God's goal for every single one of us is overflowing life. Streams of living water flowing from us. Amen? This is what God wants. Jesus was the prophetic embodiment of this thing of of pouring out living water. This was before Passover when he would be the Passover lamb. He said, come to me, receive me. Out of your being will flow rivers of living water. So let's stand together.
For those of you who are watching on the web, for those of us that are here, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never invited him into your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I don't want you to miss this opportunity of surrendering your life to him. So whilst we're just in an attitude of prayer, I want to give you that opportunity. If you have never done that, but today you're saying, Steve, I want to know God. I want to receive Jesus Christ. Then just pop your hand up just to let me know. If you're watching on the web, you can just say right now, Lord Jesus Christ, I commit my life to you. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for not living my life your way. Right now, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I receive your free gift of eternal life. Come in right now. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. You can just pray that simple prayer and invite Jesus in. You need to repent. You need to, which means not just being sorry, but saying, God, I've gone on my own way. I've lived my life how I wanted. I'm changing that from now. I'm going to go in God's direction. I'm going to make Jesus Lord. I'm going to step down from the throne of my life and he is going to become Lord. You can do that. Confess with your mouth, the Bible says. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. So you accept him, you believe in him, and you confess. And you tell somebody, this is what I've done. Do that and you'll receive Jesus. For those of us today that are here that know the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants you to have a fresh experience of him. So Lord, as we gather together at Tabernacles, Lord, we recognize that you long to send your glory into our uh, lives, into these temples individually. But Lord, also in gatherings of people around the world today, we know your heart is to come and be uh, tabernacled with your people, to bring in your glory. So Lord, we're saying today, come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we've done that prophetic act this morning and we've walked through the sukkah, as we've taken communion, bread and wine today, as we've celebrated not just your death but your resurrection, Lord, we thank you for the fullness of life that you've given to us. And Lord, we receive the fullness of your living water again today. Father, refresh us. Lord, the pressures and the stresses of modern day life, Lord, we recognize that it takes a toll, but Lord, we know today that joy, that refreshing, the power, the breath, the living water, it's there for each one of us and we receive it today by faith. We receive it. Lord, we're saying that we're going to go into a new week empowered. We're going to go into a new week sensing that fresh wind of your Holy Spirit breathing on us, blowing through us today. That's receiving that power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we might have made a mistake yesterday. We might have made a mistake in the past. But Lord, we're coming and we're saying, from this day forwards, we are going to move in a new direction with you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you are empowering your people. Thank you that you're giving us 
rivers of living water that's going to not just stay inside of us like reservoirs, but Lord, we're going to be conduits of your overflowing life. Father, as we are with people this week, Lord, we want that overflowing life just to flow out of us and begin to wash other people. Lord, we want our presence to make a difference because we're filled with your presence. And so, Father, go with us wherever we are. May we be blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.